0: Welcome. Grab a snack. Come on in. This is Bob and Joyce. We're former HROD executives who want to support other HROD professionals in doing large, high impact, bold work in a time that really needs the values and skills of HR and OD. In these podcasts, we will
1: share our experiences
0: on topics
1: that are relevant both to you and today's business world. We're both glad you're here. Welcome, grab a snack, come on in. Hey everybody, welcome to Bob and Joyce, Bob and Joyce, Bob and Joyce. Uh, We're kind of picking up a thread from the last time we met on this thing we call learning groups and described, and uh, we have a guest with us today, Scott Harrison, who was actually... Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, yay! Say hello, Scott, so you come up on the hello. screen. <laughs> Scott was just a young guy uh, as a store manager uh, back then when Joyce launched the Learning Group. And we thought uh, it would probably be good to hear from someone that actually was in the Learning Group as opposed to Joyce who led the Learning Group. So, Joyce, what as you, as you think about our last conversation, is there anything that's come up for you that perhaps you want to share before
0: we uh, jump into Scott? Yes, yes, I, I am relieved to know that I found papers where I was writing to people to sell this idea and that I was accurate. Because after we stop, I sometimes go, am I remembering correctly? And the impetus, once again, was a budget cut for training. There was none. And um, so I created a methodology for learning. And so I will share this. I found a paper and it said, "Here's I came at the concept, it says, this is about me, with the series of questions and here's what they were. What if we didn't have to teach people? What if people with roles and goals in common learned from each other? What if people found out for themselves that it is effective spelled out and began work on improvement? That makes no sense. Spelling out how you wanted to improve. What if all of this was fun to do What if people told the truth to one another about interpersonal impact, and then each person applied what they learned in the store? What if no expert were needed? What if colleagues supported and pushed one another? And what if people learned together rather than being taught? So that was the concept. Wow. The other that we talked about was the format.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And Which I, I don't think anybody did the full format, but we'll ask Scott and find out.
1: Okay, so Scott, I'm going I'm to kind of turn it over to you, but before we do that, uh, Joyce, it's amazing how once the recording has begun, your hair literally falls right in line. You look great.
0: Did you just talk about that on this podcast? I
1: did, I did. This is what it's about. I'm, oh, I,
0: you, I seriously, you. you really were my organizational husband. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank so, you, darling. So Scott, why don't, we, uh, why don't we get you in the room? Why don't you talk a little bit about? Please. <laughs> why don't you talk a little bit about what was going on uh, around the time for you when we uh, launched Learning Group at Hannaford?
2: All right. Well, and I have to crack my brain to see if I'm remembering correctly too. But I do believe I had recently been um, introduced into the district. I came. I was actually promoted uh, to store manager in an, into a different district than where I grew up. Um, And then was brought back into that uh, same district. Um, And I was fairly new to the group, although I knew a lot of the players that were there. Um, And it was interesting listening to Joyce's description of what, what the, what the process was because, you know, for me, the big takeaways were the feedback part, uh, peer feedback. And I think that that was probably the most impactful part of it for me personally. I know that, was a big part of the intent um, for our leader at the time too, but we all had the ability to participate in giving and taking. And I think that, that probably was the most lasting part of, of the learning groups for me was just the whole notion of feedback and how that helped in personal development um, in an accelerated way. And I think probably more so because it was coming from peers than it was a hierarchy or Mm -hmm. external resources that, you know, did psychological evaluations on you and give you all this clinical information or collected information from other people and presented it back to you. But um, that that was an accelerant around development um, for me. And I saw it happen with my peers as well. But yeah, I was young. I was probably one of the youngest in the district at the time um, and surrounded by what I would have considered going into it by some of the giants of our industry uh, for Hannaford because there were a lot of very successful elders uh, that had been store managers for a long, long time and had been well regarded by uh, many in the company, had won awards and all these things that I was now an equal with, or at least... That was how it was introduced. And, and in many regards, you started to realize you had a lot of strengths that you could offer even the people that had been so highly regarded as we got into it deeper and deeper with our sharing.
0: Yeah, and I know that gives me goosebumps, which is my indicator for truth. That whole thing about peers and creating um, an atmosphere in which you can be honest and grow together and laugh. Store managers, are, it's a incredibly difficult job Yeah. It, 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 oh, more goose pimples. <sighs> we'll come back and talk more about that, about getting paid better, <laughs> becoming yeah, master store managers.
1: <laughs> so, so Scott, if you can think back and you, uh, you may not be able to speak for your peers, but how was it first received? I mean, if you go back to when you first found out that we're going to do this, Uh, how was it in terms of, uh, how did it land on you and perhaps what were your excitements and fears or anxieties about going in, if any?
2: Well, I mean, exposing yourself, uh, and taking risks by hearing things you may not want to hear, um, or or expecting that you're not going to want to hear, um, from other people is probably the, the scary part of um, learning how to receive feedback and learning how to give feedback, um, in a way that, um, it landed the way that you intended. And that was probably the, the, the most underutilized skill that I think most of us had. So we were all kind of bumbling our way through it together, which also built a bond, um, because we were all learning how to use these new skills that we were attempting to develop, Um, but it was it was scary i mean you're you're putting yourself out there not only for a uh maybe a, a very rich conversation initially but an ongoing conversation around how you impact other people um and having the willingness to do something with that feedback um and and cherish the risks that your peers were taking and giving it to you um I think was there was a lot going on anytime we had those types of interactions. It became easier as you, you do it, like any relationship, the longer you do it, the more you practice, the easier it gets. But um, I know initially, it was scary as hell.
1: Yeah, let me, uh, you, you said something that actually gave me goise, uh, goosebumps, Joyce. Joyce, uh, an <laughs> accelerant for your own development. Uh, get get uh, tangible, how did you see yourself change uh, as a manager, as a leader? Yeah. And
0: and how did it work in the store? Great.
2: Yeah, well, there, there's a couple of different things to answer on that. Um, obviously, it, g- it gives you access to people that you normally would not have had access to on an ongoing basis. So by having these types of relationships in a group environment, um, having a relationship with those people, that's probably more rich than the typical relationship that you'd have with peers in a in an operations type environment, um, most of the times I'd looked at those relationships as competitive. People were trying to outdo each other um, and this completely changed the dynamics in that we were actually trying to help each other uh, in a way that we'd never really operated. Um, so it was it was good for a rookie. Um, I saw all kinds of benefits for me <laughs> being able to tap into the people that have done it, done it for years. Um, so that was from a peer relationship and then in the store uh, environment um, it also introduced the concepts to the leadership groups that we had within our own stores so not only were you creating relationships with your peers in a very different way you're also opening yourself up to your um, own leadership group that you were leading uh, in a way that allowed them to to provide feedback and and i think back to the skills that I was talking about earlier, uh, opened you up to asking questions that maybe you didn't always want to hear the answers to because you knew what, the, what they were going to be that challenged you to grow as a leader within your own store environment. Um, but I saw that, you know, I had people that could run the store that were really non-traditional key holders. I had deli bakery managers that were actually in charge of the store when this was all going on because of the growth that it opened me up to Uh, of don't look at traditional structures as the way that you need to run what you've always experienced. And once you kind of open that conversation up to other people, number one, they discover that they can do more than what they thought they could do um, in in a traditional environment. And number two, it accelerated their growth to the point where they started to think about other positions that they may want to do other than just staying in the silo that they kind of had started in and probably had normally would have been just stuck in that, you know, professional, uh, world, but people had had gone on to be store managers or even higher, um, from those department heads that were in those stores at the same time we were doing our own leadership or learning groups.
0: Wow.
1: Wow.
2: That is a wow. Wow.
1: Uh, you know, you, you said something, uh, that kind of, uh, got the hair on the back of my neck uh, on edge, this whole notion you said a uh, uh, traditional hierarchy and work structure kind of got broken down or you saw people for their um, for their potential and being able to step in. Um, I said the hair kind of got on the back of my neck, the idea of a deli manager running the store. Um, how did people at corporate and others looking at at what you were doing in your district, how did you bump up against that traditional hierarchy when you made some of these changes?
2: Well, initially we, we, we had the same structure. So um, the, the learning group was started uh, with with Cindy uh, as our boss in place. Um, it wasn't until later, and I don't remember the exact timing, if it was a year or a year and a half later, when Cindy was continuing her career development and went, went into warehousing uh, management, um, it left a void. Uh, for our district manager. And that was quite a void uh, having gone through what we had gone through with her to have somebody just step in uh, to that traditional role again. And so we floated the idea as a group. Um, We had a, I remember the conversation because that was one that was trying to champion the fact that we could do this on our own without a leader. Um, and, with, and there were, it was an interesting conversation because we had, like I said, built months of having pretty fierce conversations with each other about things that we wanted to accomplish as a group. And this one had, it was split. Um, and we actually decided that we wouldn't do it unless everybody was on board with it or wouldn't even present it unless everybody was on board with it. And I do remember that, you know, there was a couple of people that were really struggling with it, but but eventually got there through conversation and we presented it to uh, then um, the vice president over uh, retail operations for our area, Bob Dunton, um, around the concept of leveraging what we'd been learning and continuing to perform at the high level that the district had been known for. Um, and he was supportive of it. And I think, um, presented it to, to his boss, um, Hugh, at the time. And I think there was a little bit of back and forth. I don't know that we get all of what the concerns were, but there was clearly, it, it wasn't an immediately ex- accepted, go do it. Um, but um, I think we were challenged to, to um, come up with ways, structures that we would be able to, to, to continue to perform like we had been performing, um, acknowledging that it was an experiment Um, and that at any point it could end. Uh, And I think everybody was on board for giving it a a go. And we were all excited, Um, but what we learned in not too many months is that the organization wasn't quite ready for the grand experiment Um, because we were a one-off from how the rest of the organization worked and it made their jobs more difficult. than what they were accustomed to. How? Uh, How? Uh, I, I think it was- Because eight. it
0: feels like you could do that on your own. You could even keep it secret and um, nobody well, would... The re-
2: representative, the district manager role be, kind of became a representative for a handful of, you know, handfuls of stores. And it was easy to have one go-to person um, for all things. Um, and that, that was, you didn't really have to learn that. It was just always known that that was okay. the go-to person. What we created was structures for, um, and I, I won't remember all of them, but I think there were four different committees of store managers that were responsible for, um, I think we called it the financial group, the human resource group.
0: Ugh, I love it.
2: Uh, the, the retail operations group, which was really focused on standard practice and in, in, conditions in the stores. And there was another one, and for the life of me, I won't remember it in a moment. Probably. Um, well. <laughs> but each one of those areas within corporate kind of had a um, liaison committee that they would work with. And we would we, we evolved it so that they had only one person within that committee to work with versus the whole committee itself. That would speak on behalf of the entire district so those those people became responsible for being that contact person but again that was an evolution of a process that took some time for us to learn what the corporation needed because we never really experienced what their demands were because none of us were district managers so we we didn't really know that until we started having some friction and um once we got those processes in place things went Easier, but they still—it wasn't a nice, neat mold. No, I see what.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean when you have a different structure than the system. Right. And yet, you still have to keep the connections in some way.
2: Yes, so they could get their work done. What they're they're responsible for. So it wasn't always overt either, and that was part of the challenge because you never people would verbally support you, um, but <laughs> at the same time, um, we, we found that there, there were times that we weren't always invited to the, to the party or the conversation because we didn't fit the normal structure. Um, wow, so.
1: yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I, I'm gonna come back to you, Joyce, because I saw you uh, in the screen as Scott was describing all the growth and how people were interacting. I, I'd like to ask you, what, given hearing Scott, Uh, Did you ever imagine that you would have the kind of impact that you did? Um...
0: You know, I always. No, I didn't think about it. I just kept thinking about how do we get power out of people? How do we get you heard the concepts? How do we have some fun with learning? We are full of the ability to help one another learn and get excited about it. So I more, uh, have a, I, I'm thrilled to feel th- what got ignited. I have a question, a couple of questions. So Scott, your district was divided, right? I mean, literally split. What I remember is that the original people had to go, had to split and go report to somebody else. So there were two groups that were having to learn uh, to persuade others to participate. Do you remember that?
2: I don't. Um,
0: no, no, I mean, we, wrong. we, we
2: were, well, later on it evolved where we had um, uh, Dick McKean as a district manager kind of come in and play a surrogate uh, role for our district, as well as the district that he had. So there, I don't know if that may be what you're recalling. There were yeah, two districts, that he had responsible for that was at a later stage when we kind of started to collapse this uh, team managed district into a more uh, structured way of of supporting the company I guess is no better way to say it because I think it it just became hard for the organization to continue to try to deal with this one district that wanted to do its (laughs) its own structure so we kind of had I think this was Bob's Attempt at trying to appease the, the other voices in the organization that wanted it to go back to the way it was, um, but no. Initially, we were um, we were a, a complete team when we started with Cindy. It was one district, one one complete team. Our transition after Cindy left was still one team. We broke up into those committees that I referred to, so there were. Subgroups within that giant team that were responsible mm-hmm. for different things, um, and uh, but n- now we maintained um, that that same district boundaries and. Because um, I'm
0: wondering, how did it spread? Because it began to spread.
2: There, um, there
0: were many learning groups, and and um, I don't know. I don't I know think, how it spread. I think some of the
2: um, district managers um, started to recognize the impact that it had. I mean, watching Cindy's success continue to accelerate, probably got people hungry for the fact that um, I don't know what this stuff is other than what I hear about it, but uh, clearly it had an impact not only on uh, her development, but also on the team's development. Um, I think shortly thereafter, after we started that, Meg rolled into uh, a project that developed the Aces system, um, and she obviously continued to grow within the company. Um, so there, you know, there were a lot of people, I think, starting to to move on out of those structures that were growth opportunities.
0: Yeah, and, and I've worked with Meg in that group, in the Aces group, so I think my methodology, or what I carried, stayed consistent. Mm-hmm. Throughout different you know projects and stuff, but still, what pioneers
2: yeah it was fun, it was fun being a pioneer uh it It was risky, but it, well, at least it felt that at the time and in hindsight it wasn't risky at all it was it was an enabling
0: well that's why I do love retail <laughs> I just do your retail is so plucky um, and I want to just mention while I think about it the methodology for learning groups really spread i'm not sure how but it had some problem moments that where i had to get my arms around it again because feedback is best if it's developed in the here and now if during this day long meeting you gave one another feedback on the impact in the meeting you can carry it for out but a couple groups began to get very psychological and reveal personal Um, really more therapeutic issues and I had to bring together at least the ODHR group and say I want you to know the difference between an OD intervention and therapy and that helped and one of the things is keeping feedback in the here and now as close to the here and now as you can not the there and then Um, and another group I think for a weekend, oh my gosh, you'd laugh if you knew who was there. Went off into the woods and ended up running naked <laughs> because <laughs> they had some, I think it was Walt, Walt Stilfen and, and um, I believe Mike Bale was there. And we said we wouldn't use names when we are, but only in a good context. So I had people, the go having to come to back and class. think, What?
1: I said people running naked through a forest is a good context.
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) no, it isn't. It's wrong. It's don't do it. But so I'm saying I had to keep, I had to get my arms back around and say, here's how it really works because it began to morph. So I'm not sure that all learning groups, do you remember setting measurements that you were willing to be measured on?
2: I don't recall. Um, We probably did. Um, I think we had to develop our own. Um, kind mm-hmm. of goals from, from that, uh, from the initial feedback, I think that we had an opportunity to continue to work on our own personal development of what we wanted to accomplish out of some of the feedback that we had received or mm-hmm. knew that we wanted to work on just because it was an area that we didn't feel comfortable in. But yeah, it was, it was very much business focused. Um, but I, I do, I've had experience since that, um, that I have, uh, felt like it was getting into um, more about psychological development and, and not keeping it business focused. And right. that to me is probably one of the most distinct differences um, of learning groups is it was all about the business um, wow. and how we as individuals impacted that business. So there, you did get into personality conflicts and traits and things like that, but it never it never went into psychotherapy type of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and where it began to, I, I do remember pulling people in and saying, uh-uh. Yeah. It, yeah. Hey, Scott, I,
1: I have a question in terms of uh, how that experience, being a uh, member of the learning group and how you grew, uh, how did it impact your leadership going forward? I mean, if you think back to your career, how did being a member of that learning group uh, influence your, your leadership and how you uh, ran your organizations?
2: Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest impacts that it had on me, and I think I shared it earlier, um, whether it was intentional or not, but is, is challenge all structures. Um, because what I learned from that is that it, the very successful structures that this organization had grown up in also limited a lot of growth of individuals, and actually, limited performance. I thought, um, and I, I think we proved it uh, from the district results. I think, it, it, you know, they did a stair step increase in performance because of what we went through as a group. So I'd always, um, I always looked at any organization that I took over with um, an acceptance of the current structure, but at the same time, always questioning if that was the right structure. Um, and the other thing that was really clear to me is giving um, the people that worked for me the, the opportunity to own what I owned in a way that not only gave them um, the work, but at the same time, the recognition, the experience, um, and tried to really give them a part of the job that I found um, was powerful because it became a way to get them to own the whole and not just the area that they may have responsibility for, which was a fraction of what I owned, um, but that they own part of the entirety. And if everybody that was in my leadership group owned a part of that, they had the respect for the other person that may have owned a different part of it. But oh, the-
0: there's a nugget, there's yeah. a nugget but they worked
2: collaboratively and um and I think it removed a lot of the barriers of competition that I referred to before that a lot of these structures facilitate um by trying to find the best of the best um you know you you want people that are driven and and but people come at that differently and there's not one mold for success so you found the things that people either had a passion for or wanted to learn about and you enabled them with owning that part of the business and by owning that uh, not only did they did you make them successful but they made you successful Um, so the quicker I could kind of part my job off to other people it also made me uh, it it enabled me to move on to the next job that I was looking to go do uh, and help my growth because I had people that were capable that I left either behind or put them in a position that they could take over. Um, the job that I was going to leave. So um, I think people gained a lot of respect by empowering them to do my job.
0: Wow. We limit limit people. So, you know, the issue of the next 10 years (laughs) is going to be structure and connection. You know, how light can the structure be and keep connection? And I think the connective tissue is gonna weigh more than formal structure. And I mean that in religion and in government. We just are uh, living in antiquated structures. And so, and I think this pandemic uh, is gonna loosen those structures. And I don't know what will come, but I do know it's on the table. From how do you vote? Uh, to how do you influence representatives in in a rich way, blah, blah, blah. So did you have a facilitator? For? (laughs) Back to the learning groups. Did you have a, I had an aside there on structure. Um, Did you, because originally you were not to have a facilitator for every meeting, did you?
2: I think we – I can't remember, Joyce. Now you're, you're really challenging the brain cells. I think we may have self-facilitated meetings because I, I, it, it, I, I don't think we could always get the organizational – I mean, just there wasn't the resources available as a corporation to for all the meetings that we did. I, so I think we did – we evolved. We didn't start this way, but I think we evolved to doing self-facilitation. I think you
0: were, you were supposed to, the design was to have a facilitator do the first three day kickoff. Yeah. And then after that to self-facilitate in whatever you wanted.
2: Yeah. I think, and I think we took turns um, because, yep. you know, that w- there was work involved in doing that. Um, there was not only pre-work, but there was post-work um, from those types of meetings. But yeah, I, I think uh, I remember that we were we were doing in fact I think the meeting that I referred to earlier when we were discussing what we were going to do as Cindy was moving away from our district and how we were going to go forward as a group um, that was one of those facilitated meetings that we were having to get to a consensus of what we wanted to do Um, if we wanted to present it to Bob or if if we were just going to let the corporation kind of do what it needed to do in order to fill that role Um,
1: Scott, I have a a question.
0: I'm looking at my thing. Go ahead.
1: Hopefully one of the goals of uh, this topic is to have OD and HR practitioners uh, play with the concept and to experiment with it. What advice would you give someone who's watching this that uh, is intrigued enough and really likes what they've heard uh, uh, to to start with? What advice would you give them uh, having gone through it?
2: Um, I think it, this is going to sound a little hokey, but it is definitely a a life altering experience because it changes your perspectives um, on some of the things I shared earlier. Um, I definitely believe it, it put me in a position to um, rise to the success that I did within traditional structures in different organizations. Um, but at the same time, um, experiment with, with things. I mean, it was I remember being one of the first later in my career to in to um, lead a shared service um, within a very large corporation and had I not gone through the experiences that I had gone through b- before, both the good experiences and in some of the opportunities um, in understanding organizations' responses to traditional structures, um, shared service was a concept that had never been in an organization so I think the skills that it provides you, the learnings that it provides you, I think definitely are uh, an assembly of a toolkit that executives, management, um, your normal staff will stay engaged and I think can grow. Those that want to continue to to grow themselves will continue to use those tools and skills to grow. And I think it also enables you to be a, a pretty a powerful leader of other people, if you understand um, how to how to interact with feedback in a way that um, enables people uh, to grow. So those, you know, there, I don't know how I would do. Thinking back and had I not gone through that experience, my my career would have been completely different than it, than it ended up. Um, and now that I'm out of the corporate world and my wife and I own our own business, I mean, we, yeah. I, I still employ some of this um, in a 20, 20 associate uh, building um, by empowering our people to own parts of our business. Um, and, and we do annual meetings here uh, to have conversation with the leadership that is in the store, which are our full timers versus the part timers. Um, and, and they have an opportunity to to provide feedback, go around what they think we need to do with our business. And, uh, prior to this, uh, pandemic, uh, we were on a rocket ride for, for growth. Mm -hmm. Um, but the good thing is, is I think it positioned us to be able to make it through the pandemic and our, and our store is still viable and, and I see success, you know, on the other side. So It's not only applicable in a corporation, it's applicable in small business as well.
0: Bob, I have a couple things to mention to anybody HROD listening. Sure. For a learning group using this methodology, don't get hooked on being the facilitator. Kick it off and then back up. The goal is to have the group self-manage. And there'll be moments where it'll get go awry like a couple of the groups did and then you step in and you just gather it again reminded of the principles but um sometimes groups get dependent on facilitation and i think it leaks i think it takes some of the power away now sometimes you need the facilitation but the goal is self-management self-learning and collaboration. So if you become the focal point, if you ever become the focal point as the facilitator, you're off here. You need to rethink your role. That's my two cents.
1: You know, I'm going to, I'm going to close because I feel like I've been uh, kind of in a fishbowl observing both uh, you, Scott sharing uh, and you Joyce Um, at the very beginning of these podcasts, Joyce, You declared that, why are we doing these now? If ever the world Mm -hmm. needed OD and HR, it's now. And to me, this conversation today really brings that to the light more than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Scott, um, it's been great listening to you because I've gotten to know you as a leader, uh, was on the same leadership team with you. And as I was listening to you, I, very quickly came to uh, at least the realization that sitting on an executive committee with you, you did more than any of us. Uh, You were the head of IT, but you came into the room owning the whole organization and how you interacted and the truths that you told Uh, really, I never really linked it back to the learning groups, but uh, it clearly, uh, Uh, helped you and made you the leader that you are. And Joyce, not that you ever doubt the impact of your work, uh, but I got goosebumps. I mean, there's one small, not small, but OD intervention Mm -hmm. that touched a life that, Scott, using your words, had you not gone through that experience, your career would have gone very differently. So OD HR people, Scott, Joyce, if you never
0: doubt you're making a difference, you are. Let's hear it for, what is it? H-R-O-D power. Yay. (laughs) So I'm going to. It's so fun to hear from you again and to see what you're carrying. It's just wonderful.
2: It was great to catch up with you too.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Bob and Joyce podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up an idea or two to go forward and do great work. For more information, please visit us at bobandjoyce.com. If you like today's podcast, please click subscribe and even better, give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It supports us and helps others define the show. If you'd like more ODHR content, please follow us on Facebook by searching for Bob and Joyce Podcast. Until the next time, be well and be safe.